So, dude, who's wearing cologne in here? <laughs> Is that you, Bissaka? It's not me. Come on, you get what you wearing cologne? I'm not wearing cologne. But I did spray deodorant on. You got deodorant? We just had this conversation a second ago. I thought it was good, so I started. You wanted the, to do it again, right? Well, I started the I started the recording because I thought that the cologne thing was good. Is it recording? Yeah, it's recording. Like, oh shit! I'm doing, I'm doing X. I got X. I got old, I got Old Spice freaking deodorant on. But I'm not doing cologne. Like I'm not. No, this wasn't a cologne occasion. What do you mean a cologne occasion? What's a cologne occasion? Cologne occasion is like. You're going on a date. You know, you're going to be in the midst of some important people for work. That's a colonication. What do you mean a date and important people for work? It's like not the same. I know, but it's still colonications. All right, so if you're with important people from work, you're doing cologne. Hell yeah. If you're going on a date, you're doing cologne. Absolutely. What about if you're doing like, you're bringing your girl to like the Miami Heat game? You're doing cologne or just deodorant? Just deodorant. Because you're going to be all sweaty because you're getting all amped up. You're going to be around all kinds of people and... Okay. If you guys can smell my cologne here, I put far too much on. You should really only smell cologne on a person that you're very close to, like a hug. Like if you put it on your neck and your girlfriend gives you a hug, then she gets a whiff of it. You should not be able to smell someone's cologne from five feet away. Is, is that a county rule? Because that don't apply in Dade. In Dade? <laughs> yeah, in Dade. No. Have you ever walked down like South Beach? Dude, you can smell people from like 20 feet away. Bayside. They're, plus, they're all wearing Paco Rabanne Millions or whatever it is. It's like straight fragrance. It's like 400 bucks a bottle. You know what it is, right? Yes. $400 a bottle. I used to work with a guy that actually wore it. You could li- we, When I worked at the airport, you could smell him across the field. <laughs> that's how strong this yeah, stuff was. Not, you're not supposed to wear cologne like that. If you go in for a hug... You should get a small little whiff, like just a tint. Like, oh, wow, it smells nice. Not like you get in the elevator and people start coughing. <laughs> like, but if you're like a blind, like a, like a blind old Cuban man, like in a wheelchair, and you're down there at Bayside, and you're just like rolling around, and you're getting all those different fragrances and everything, that's like the Super Bowl of fragrance. Is Bayside. What, are the, what are the top five fishermen's fragrances. Old Spice. Old Spice is going to be number one, right? That's a one seed. Old Spice. Speed Stick. Do they even sell Speed Stick anymore? Yeah, they do. Well, I, was, I was doing um, I was doing Old Spice and Victoria was cool with it till she got about six. And then I think when I was six or seven, she's like, Dad, you got to do Axe. And I was like, well, why do I got to do Axe? She goes, because it smells good. So ever since, I don't know, the last five years, I've been doing Axe. And she's right, it smells good. And women have like probably 40, I think 40 to 50% higher sense of smell of offensive smell. Right. Not just good smells, but offensive smells affect women a lot more. That's why they obsess over those things that like plug into the wall and release flower smells. They're into um, scented candles, glade, sprays, all that stuff. Where guys are pretty much like, is it a fart? No? That smells okay then. Like Right Guard. Right. Do you remember Right Guard? What's right? Oh, wait a minute. Who's like, how old are you again? Oh, wait, that was the gel. No, no, no. Right? Spray. Spray. 
Oh, I didn't know about the spray. I used to use the right guard gel freaking deodorant when I was in like middle school. But trust me, your old man and your granddaddy grew up on right guard. Right guard. Is that old? It's old. And if you don't think it's old, look at the original right guard can. It's like copper. It like the can's copper. Then there's like a, a rectangle black, and then it says right guard right on the rectangle black. It's like totally. Oh, it's all—it's right guard. I mean, you just can't. Do they do? Does they? Can you still buy right guard? Yeah. Right guard's still out there. I still have spray. You still got right guard spray? Yeah. I keep it thirty-three percent more. It says on the cap. Big. Uh, maybe like public. Yeah, Publix has got it. They've got right guard. Right guard original. You might have to go to CVS for. I got yelled at like two years ago for using right guard spray. It's summer, working on a gig. And we all get back into the van, and I, like I sprayed up before I got in the van, and one of the people in there was like, "Jesus Christ, it smells like a middle school locker room in here. Who sprayed Right Guard?" <laughs> they knew it right off the bat. And I was like, "Geez, I didn't even know like Right Guard was out." What do you mean you got in like a van? For work, like a 15 passenger van, all the a transportation I, van. I, that's yeah. not it. That's sport. That's not it. Like a transportation shuttle type van. Like a shuttle van. And then they called you out. And everybody's sweating, and it's <laughs> summer on Miami Beach, and we get in the thing. Uh, what's it called? The, the Conga line. Conga line van. Conga line passenger van. Right. And like I have my backpack, so I'm like, let me get a piece of gum, because it can get pretty dank in those vans or whatever. And I like just hit the. Double shot of the right guard. Dudes did not like it. That smells like a middle school gym in here. So do you think you offended him more with the right guard, or you just offended him more with your BO? With, I don't know. He's a weird kid, the right guard. We, you filmed with him. Remember we went we filmed down around the Miami River, and he brought the tripod on the boat? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, the, the, the film dudes that Lamont hangs out with, his peers, I mean, nice guys. But nerds, oh my nerds. god, like, right, like one of the dudes got on the boat and he had on, uh, what are they, like Indian moccasins, like the Indians used to wear or whatever, oh, snap. Right, all yeah. like laced it up and everything, yeah. I'm looking at him, I'm like, dude, if you ever fell in the water with us, then you're going to drown. You're <laughs> wearing sponges on your feet. Literally. Right, and then the, the, the second favorite thing about dealing with Lamont's film crews is, um, they like to put a lot of people on the boat. Don't. Like? Like an unsafe amount, basically. Uh, not unsafe, because you can't let them be unsafe. But put it this way. If you tell them five people, nine show up. And they don't, like, show up with, like, nothing. Every single one of them has, like, tripod. 100 pounds of equipment, batteries, friggin' food. What's up with the film crews and the food? Food's a big deal. Yes. I think food's like the biggest deal. What about your office, Busaka? Oh, food. Lo, let me tell you something. With my office, man, I mean, you would think we never got fed. No, I'm not it's... talking about the food. I'm talking about offending somebody with right guard in your office. <laughs> let me tell you something. I never offended anybody in the office. But when I was in high school, I actually had the Axe body spray, and I kept it in my locker. You mean five years ago? Ten years ago, man. You've been yeah. out of high school for 10 years? And my, my 10 year reunion is next year. Really? Yeah, St. Thomas. And you're still banging those fruit roll ups like that? Yes. And I got no shame in doing that either, man. <laughs> All right, so. But you're getting off topic. I'm talking about right guard in no. the office today. 
I don't even know if anybody... out, like, with the film crews and everything. Yeah. But in your office, where you work, if you go in there with guard on, like a lot of guard on, are you, are you offending people, or are they glad not to be smelling your B.O.? You it's hard to say, work? man. No, I Just can't do time. Sure. Yeah, I can't do a time, man. And you're cloning up for work? No. The only time I clone up for work is if we have, like, a big event where a bunch of executives are coming in. You clone up for the execs. I clone up for the... I do. I take my freaking suit to the Dry Clean US on 17th Street. Right. Get that stuff nice and... All nice and wrinkle-free, man. Right. Get that home. You wear a suit on. to work? Only for those days. For the oh. big exec days. When they come in, yep. Put tie. on a suit. Sometimes I'll put the tie on that day. Okay. Sometimes. And do you think the executives appreciate the way you smell and the way you look? You know, I used to think that they would. In some cases, I think they still do. But then sometimes we'll have some fool that show up in jeans to a corporate event. Well, I think you, some fool shows up in jeans. And to a corporate go. event. To a corporate event. Well, years ago, we used to do the dog track a lot. We liked going to the dog track. And if you went to the dog track and you weren't dressed to win... And that goes from the way you smell, the type of stuff you put in your hair, the jacket you're wearing, your shoes are huge. The dogs know that, and you're probably not going to get a winning ticket. Do you hug people at work? If I know them well enough. Like every day you go in, is there anybody you hug? Every no. Time? No? Nah. Hand slaps? I'll do fist bumps. Fist bumps? Yep. Okay. Men fist and bumps. women fist bumps? Yeah. You gotta be you gotta be gotta be careful these days, man, in the workplace. You do. It's sad, but you really gotta be careful with everything you do and say and you know, it's a different world these days, man. I know every once in a while something comes out of my mouth and all the tarpon get offended. What? Like pickles? No. <laughs> like pickles. Oh, that reminds me, did you you guys hear that uh, George Gods is doing a debut party? No, really? Yeah, April 7th, I think. We're at? In Jensen Beach. Oh, snap. He's going to do a debut party for the new show, Unfathomed. Like a bar or a restaurant or something? I, I, I told him to call me. He's in, like, in the hills of Tennessee right now or something. He's, he doesn't have good reception. He's probably, like, a T-Mobile guy. But anyway, um, he's going to do a debut party. And I thought maybe we'll take the microphones down there and go live at George's debut party. Sounds I'm good. down. Right? Down. Do a little road trip. Hell yeah. Go see George. Participate in the debut party. What are you going to do for Cologne that night? Aqua Velva. That's, no, that's aftershave. I knew that's he was going to say that. Damn. What? You are Sicilian. <laughs> I know a thing or two about aftershave. Well, you know a thing or two about Aqua Velva. Yes, I used it there's for a while. Two, there's only two aftershaves that it... Sicilians are allowed to ever use, and that's Aqua Velva and Brute 33. I never heard of that one. Well, you're young. Brute 33? Still out. Brute 33. I have to look that up. I mean, you've never rigged like a thousand values in a week or nothing. But if you do rig like a thousand values in a week, like some of these tournament mates do and stuff, there's a pretty good chance that you could take advantage of some Brute 33, because that'll mask just about anything. Well, that's Old Spice that Brody is dumping in that towel, isn't it? When he's chumming. 
That's pretty weak. And he's dumping the Old Spice and then going like this as he's jumping. Was it Old Spice that he was putting? Pretty sure. It's like a little white bottle. I was just That's watching the it yesterday. Old Spice bottle is a little white bottle. <laughs> I was just watching it yesterday. You watched Jaws? Jaws? Yeah. What'd you think? I still love it. I still, it still floors me to this day that 1975 Mechanical Shark, and that's to me is still better than most of the CGI stuff we see today. Yeah. I still enjoy it more. So who do you think was more of a badass, Brody or Quint? I mean, Brody or uh, Hooper? I mean, Quint or Hooper? It's hard to say because I got to give Hooper credit because he was the only one that was willing to get in the cage in the water with the shark. And Don't his mean. decisions were all based on intelligence and information. Scientific and facts. Quint was going off gut instinct and he was wrong every time. Everything he predicted was wrong. Except for one thing. Huh. When the very first time, when whenever he was sitting in the chair, and all of a sudden the line started going, he like hooks himself to to the rod. Right. And Hooper was like, "No, it's not a shark. It's like a marlin or a stingray," and it bit right through the piano wire. That was like the one time he was right. No, he was no. Quint was wrong. It was a ray. You think it was a ray? It wasn't the shark. Or how about when he was like, "Wait, I think he's gone into the boat." He was right that time too. So did when when. When Hooper brought out the cage, did you originally think it was a shark cage when you first saw it? No, because when I first saw it, I was so little, I didn't even know what a shark cage was. What about you, Lamont? Did you think that was a shark cage? Well, no, because Quint said that it was a monkey cage. So I just assumed it was a monkey cage, but again, Quint was wrong and led the audience astray, and he was like, oh, is that a portable monkey cage? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think... I thought I thought it was I thought it was a bait pin originally. Like when they, I see the big cage on the boat, I'm like, wow, he's going to be keeping like some ten pound tunas in there for some bait, or maybe some big ass bluefish for bait, you know, like a live well. You assume those coogans up there in the northeast actually rolled with live bait. Well, I figured Quinn, the captain of the orca, the dude that's going to kill the killer shark or whatever, wasn't going out there without live bait. I didn't think anybody. Anybody on Wicked Tuna use live bait? Yeah, but I think it's fake. The fake live bait? Well, fake bait. I don't know. I think the guys at Wicked Tuna are still worried about like people knowing what baits they're using in their spots and all that. But um, it's funny you bring up Wicked Tuna because I thought talking about feeding your family in that weird-ass gay tournament that they do. I just thought that was out of line. Like, oh, we're feeding our family. We're feeding our family. And I'm like, I'm looking at the winnings, you know, what you what they actually got for the fish. And I know that the the, the you know the standard of living in Massachusetts is pretty high, kind of like it is here. And if I got eighty thousand dollars over the course of the summer to feed my family during the winter, we'd all starve. What? Why don't they just feed their family tuna? Because it's like they're they're their own middleman. They're screwing themselves by being their own middleman. Right. Instead of selling the fish to get money to buy more food, just take the fish home. Right. I mean, as many tunas as they catch, you think they could at least take one home? And they're huge. They should take them all home. I mean, it's about it's about feeding their family. Yeah. If you haven't heard, it's about putting food on the table for their family. If you haven't heard, I still have yet to watch that show, man. You haven't seen any of them? Nothing. Oh, you gotta watch. 
at least one. one. Yeah, yeah, at least what? one. Dude, you, you gotta watch Wicked Tuna. What are you watching? Right. Dude, I don't even really watch much TV anymore. Well, I mean, what are you doing with yourself? You can watch Wicked Tuna on your little clean computer or whatever, your phone. I mean, I will tell you this. I'll go on YouTube and watch. I still watch, like, real time. But I don't, I've still gotten around to watching Wicked Tuna yet. Like, how'd you watch Jaws yesterday? It was on TV? Netflix on my phone. I have the app. It's pretty millennial. It is. See, I got a, I got a new With TV. Phone speaker or headphones? Phone speaker. Dude. Is that shame, phone speaker? Well, considering it's like one of the greatest scores of all time, and the whole movie like builds around the soundtrack <laughs> to hear it like, you know, just a bunch of trouble coming out of a eighth inch speaker. We better off with headphones. You know, Busaki, we're talking about buying some vinyl. You should go get the Jaws record. I let me tell you something. That's actually something I would I would spend money on. That soundtrack. I mean, if you think about it, that really made the movie. Made if the it movie. wasn't if it wasn't for John Williams' soundtrack. And the funny thing is about that soundtrack, when John Williams played the soundtrack for Spielberg for the first time, Spielberg actually thought it was a joke. And he was like, No, but wait, what are we really using? He didn't he thought it was a joke at first. <laughs> the, but the two note cello dun dun When they screened um, Star Wars for 20th Century Fox executives with no soundtrack, just talking, the whole movie. No one knew what's. No one knows what's going on. No one understands Star Wars: New Hope the first time they see it. The, they said that's you, you're done. There's no more money for George Lucas. We're pulling out of this thing. And Spielberg said, "I got a guy. You need my guy, John Williams, to do your score." And he did the score and. Both of those movies. Like, Lamont talks about movies like everybody knows who he's talking about. I do. He well, and I have had some great some conversations. obscure movie that hardly anybody knows called Star Wars. No, not the obscure <laughs> movie. I'm talking about, like, you call them, like, the actors by their first names and stuff. Well, those that John Williams is not an actor. He yeah, was whatever. the composer. Exactly. <laughs> like, I'm supposed to know that. Yeah. I mean, it's not somebody's famous, Didn't like Mark Sosa. he just you to go get the Jaws soundtrack? <laughs> You have to know who he is if you're telling me to get the soundtrack. Oh, dude, you gotta go get the Jaws soundtrack. Yeah, it's pretty good. John Williams is great. Who's that? Exactly. <laughs> it reminds me of the guy in Stripes that was like, well, I figured, you know, my granddaddy got drafted, and then my dad and both my brothers got drafted, and then I just figured I might as well enlist before I get drafted. <laughs> well, son, there ain't no draft no more. Huh? Oh, there was one? <laughs> Dude, wasn't that with Bill Murray? Yeah. Now you, you know who Bill Murray is, right? Of course I knew who Bill Murray is. That's your um. grand uncle. <laughs> what? I gotta see that one. Anybody my age knows Bill Murray because he was like, uh, you know, like the big actor. And Caddyshack was like, you know, the best thing oh. that ever was created. Dude. But whatever the soundtrack is for Caddyshack and all that, I don't know that the composer's name. Caddyshack was the very first R-rated movie I watched when I was little. Kenny Loggins? Yep. You know, Kenny who's Loggins. The funniest, who's the funniest in Caddyshack? <sighs> Chevy Chase? No. Bill he Murray? was the funniest. Um, Rodney Dangerfield? 
I, I'd have to say Rodney Dangerfield was the Ted funniest. Knight? <laughs> Ted, I mean, I will say, Ted was funny. He actually, I, I have to give him, he had some funny moments. Some really good lines. But I think that overall, I mean, it's hard to really... I mean, it's Rodney Dangerfield, man. Uh, let me tell you, uh, did you ever see the movie Rodney Dangerfield? Not a lot of people know about this one. Easy Money. Oh, yeah. Him and Joe Pesci. Come on, let me lick the bride. That's my daughter you're talking about. Remember he wants to lick the yes. bride off the cake? Yep. That, I think, was such an underrated movie. He, and the funny thing about Rodney Dangerfield is he did something like, what was that? What, back to School. That was Rodney Dangerfield too, right? Yes, and then he had, he had another one too that I can't think of the name of, but he... He didn't do a ton of movies, but the ones he did do were so memorable and classic. Back to School had that same kid that always is a bully in a movie. The kid that Which beat kid? up the karate kid. Oh. The kid that beat up just one of the guys. I can't think of his name. The one Billy Zabka. Was that his name? Yeah. He played opposite Ralph, Mach- Ralph um, Machio. In Karate Kid. Yeah. And then he was the one that was also bullying Melon in Back to School. I've got a really bad cramp. Oh, maybe it's menstrual. Screw you, Melon. <laughs> then he like belly flopped off the top platform before Melon, Mr. Melon did the triple Lindy like he used to do at the Steel Pier. Dude, I got a frozen beer. It's done. Is it Ice House? Mm-mm. Ruined. Aren't you just going to slurpee it like that the whole time? You got to. There's only one thing you can do when you have like a slurpy type beer and it keeps floating out the top. You just have to drink it faster. Then uh, it comes out the top. So a little off topic, but I actually I found I found something really cool yesterday. Off topic of what? Right card? Yes. Okay. <laughs> and Rodney Dangerfield and John Williams. So I was at my grandpa's yesterday. My grandpa and grandma, Sicilian immigrants. And my grandpa, he he, he goes, I want to show you something. And he pulls out this picture from like 1970-something. And it's a picture of him on freaking Sheridan Street. You know that bridge? That, the one that go up and down yeah. on Sheridan Street? Sheridan to Hollywood. Yes. <laughs> him at the bank under the bridge with a freaking six-foot sawfish. Dead. No. He actually released it. Nice. But I was like, whoa. And it was like his late 70s. He had the date on the picture. I just remember it was late 70s. But I just saw that. I said, I said, Grandpa, I said, you caught that? He goes, yeah. It's like, dude, I was like, that's real guy stuff right there. This is your uh, your mom's dad or your dad. dad's dad? Dad's dad, yep. Came over from Sicily. And homeboy caught a freaking... <laughs> Why is that funny? <laughs> it's not funny. I'm trying to drink my beer. So oh. Me, so. No, it's... So he caught it on the on the Sheridan Bridge, which means he probably caught it in somebody's face, even way back then. Yeah. But I just, but you know, it, it, it kind of made me sad in a way, though, because even my uncle, my mom's brother, they used to fish that whole area, Leg Lake, like we talked about that whole area, right. and they used to see sawfish in there back then. I don't even remember the last time that somebody's seen a soft, even seen a sawfish around this area. I seen one in Whiskey Creek not too long ago. I think you told me about that too, right? You saw one in Whiskey Creek? I saw one in Whiskey Creek, but it had to be 15, 20 years ago. Oh, when did you see one? A couple years ago. Really? They're around. I mean, it's not like they're gone, gone. No. But 
But, I mean, in Fort Lauderdale, there's no place shallow enough to even see one anyway. Yeah, so they could be right under our noses. I know that they used to breed in Westlake. That was a breeding ground for them. They're probably still in there. Just hard to see them. But well, not that many. No, but see, that brings me to the question is, I know that they're saying a lot of work is being done for you know to help the sawfish out, but my question is, have they? do they even have any evidence that it's really working? Because I never really hear statistics of, oh, you know, the population is increasing, or the population is... De- it's like, I don't hear anything. Dude, it's sawfish. It's not like a hot topic or nothing. It's not like a smoke. Or for the, you know, people over there and panhandle redfish and trout and all that. It's sawfish. And also, for the most part, the animals don't... The, popu- the animal population doesn't really fluctuate as much as you'd think. Like, in 1900, the Audubon Society counted all the manatees, and there were like 2,600, and there's like 2,600 now. They said the manatees finally came off the endangered species list. (laughs) (laughs) (coughs) Yeah, well, I don't know. I don't know. Dude, I gotta pay attention to the signs. The signs say go slow. There's manatees around here. I go slow. I never see a manatee. Yeah. That's all I know. <laughs> but anyways, he showed me the picture of the sawfish, and I actually thought that was pretty damn cool. You know, sawfish probably in the old days would eat a manatee. You know what I mean? I mean, dude, those things got huge. But what do you think they need that big saw for? They got to hunt. Everybody thinks that those are prop scars on those, on those manatees. They might be from the, <laughs> sawfish. From the sawfish. <laughs> <laughs> the manatee don't wrangle with the sawfish. <laughs> Dude, I mean, it could be. You never know. If you, um... Yeah, we're recording, just so you know. Dude, you know, we left off on the sawfish now. Yes. We're talking about, I mean, shoot, it could have been... They see those those freaking marks on the manatee. It could be sawfish, not necessarily the boat propeller. I think talking about sawfish... I don't know, it's kind of retarded. You can't talk about sawfish. Like, I mean, I know your granddaddy got one on the Sterling Bridge. And, you know, Sheridan. Sheridan Bridge or whatever. <laughs> but, yeah, it's cool and everything, but, you know. I mean, like, I, we, we just gave away his sawfish spot. <laughs> giving away sawfish. I mean, it's kind of like a jack. You can only appreciate a sawfish so much. Uh, Josh Black to Beige tweeted a couple months ago. Now uploading video of a grander. Sawfish. A thousand pound sawfish. Well, if you're going to do a sawfish, you might as well go after a grander. What? So what So what? What constitutes grander sawfish? It has to be a thousand pounds. What do you mean what constitutes a grander? So anything below a thousand pounds. So if it's 999, it's not a grander. Right. Gosh, man, I don't like that. Well, dude, it's math. It's not like you can, like, change it. I know. I mean, either either it's it's either a grander it's either or it's a grander not, or it's nine hundred ninety nine pounds. You know what I mean? Sawfish. See that? I think that's the problem with a lot of people's fish counts. Is like they want to like bend math. You can't bend math. Like if you went out and you caught three tarpon, it's three tarpon. It's not five. Oh, fishermen are notorious it's for that. It's not four. They're notorious three. for that. Three. So if it's 999 pounds, it's not a grand, right? What about that time 
that you caught over a hundred pounds of snook with Nunez and three fish in under five minutes. He was close. It was close to 100 pounds. It was right? close to 100 pounds of snook. I don't think every one of those snooks was 30, but one was 30, and there's probably two 25 pounders. So what's that? 80, 85 pounds or so. 50, 80. So at $22 a pound, if it was legal to sell. And if you are going to exaggerate or whatever you ex or you I mean or whatever, get it wrong. Get it wrong with the fish that you're releasing. Like you don't get it wrong with the grander. You don't get a 999 pound. Sawfish, weigh the sun bitch, kill the sun bitch, hang him up there. It says 999 pounds, and then you say, Oh, it's a grander. He's not gonna believe you, right? But when Nunez got those three snooks back to back to back, so all over 25 pounds, and he said that we just got 100 pounds of snook in the last five minutes or whatever, I mean, you can live with that because how can you, how you can't, you can't disprove it. Well, maybe the one snook wasn't 30 pounds. Maybe it was 34 pounds. That's $1,800 worth of snook <laughs> at $22 a pound. But you can't sell this snook. you got to sell it as like Corvina or something. No. But if you could, $1,870. Bucks. I wonder how much, those, how much are those guys in Wicked Tuna making off those tuna each tuna? $1,870. Bucks. <laughs> Dude. The, the the wicked tuna thing. We're gonna do a whole a, a whole episode on wicked tuna. I want to know when they weigh the fish, then they take the core sample out. They should reweigh it again. Right. A dollar is a dollar, right? Right. It's like the math thing. Let's try to bend it. What's the guy? What's the guy do with those scraps? All right. If you keep those scraps. And you went, you get 10 fish a day for three days, you end up with what? Three pounds of that stuff? Three pounds times a thousand, that's three more, that's three whole granders. <laughs> Lamont, the mathematical genius over there. Jesus. What? You're speechless. Because you still think about tuna fish like in a can. Yes. Right. Like what aisle is it on? I asked Marciano if he'd trade straight up, pound for pound, canned for filet or whatever, whole versus canned. Right. And he's like, he'd think about it. <laughs> it was a toss <laughs> It's to me, I don't understand how something that's made out of wood can cost more than something that's made out of plastic, considering wood is free and plastic you have to manufacture. Hmm. Like all that work to get the tuna into a can versus just having loose meat. <laughs> right? Like, like, I don't think you can like sun dry it like you can salmon and stuff like that. And how that, come tuna is the only, really the only fish they do that with? Like how come they don't have bass in a can like that? Bass in a can. Canned bass. Maybe it's However just not, they cook it. Maybe it's just not here in America. Maybe they can bass in other places. Maybe Sopkowitz got it up north. You ever had Italian tuna fish? No. Get it. You gotta order it on Amazon. It's like $22 a can. Italian tuna fish. Italian tuna fish. It's in the same can that we have, like the bumblebee. But it's totally different. Okay. Very consistent, because anything Italian is usually better. Yes. Very okay. good. It's like 22 bucks a can, and you eat it, you're like, oh wow, this is pretty good. Dude, 
Okay, so I'm still thinking about the sawfish. Now you guys got oh me back God, on. Hear me, hear, me hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. You're not just telling me to Sawfish are protected, dude. You're not canning sawfish. No, but dude, so my grandma was telling me that in Sicily, and mind you, we're going back years ago, they used to actually kill sawfish over there, and they would keep and sell the, the rodstrom. Italian sawfish? Italian sawfish. Yeah, but Italian sawfish. Can you believe that? So how much? How much you think it'd go for? What do you mean go for? For food? Yeah, dude. Because they were eating them things too. I don't. I don't think anybody like. I don't think like. I don't know. I do. I, I, I can't like get my whole arms around selling a sawfish in the first place. But I think, I think, I think, I think your family brought the skills from Italy to here. I think they did. And I think the old man was sporting the sawfish in front of everybody's face and like knew that he brought those skills over. He knew he had something on everybody over here. Tell you what, it was just, you know, like my, like my grandpa, you know, he, he was a mechanic for years. He, worked, he was a Volkswagen mechanic. You know, I, I, think, I think he went hunting once in his life and he got like a jackrabbit or something like that. And then all of a sudden, homeboy freaking whips out this picture of him with a sawfish. And it blew me away. Well, you do know, like, people his age, like, taking a picture with something dead, like, that was a big deal. Yeah. The only bigger deal you could get than that would be actually stuffing the thing or mounting the thing. So, like, these old people, they, like, kill something, take a picture with it, and then they sport that thing for the rest of their life. But that's like, well, I mean, you didn't kill the bonefish, well, And the rest but of your dad's life, and then probably the rest of your life, because that picture's going to be around somewhere. Oh, yeah. Hanging up on the wall or whatever. Dude, I need to, like, I need, I need to get that picture from him, because that's something to really, like, show somebody, like, look at that. Like, you know, like you're talking, like, like, your old man, you know, how he did all the Marlin tournaments, and he called the Big Marlin. You know, obviously, I mean, it's... Hard to really kind of compare the two. It's kind of like apples and oranges, but what's uh, fish and marlin? Yeah, it's like <laughs> apples and oranges, but you know, it's it's especially considering you know you think about how endangered the sawfish is and how rare they are to come across, especially in this area now. Like that's actually something that you'd be kind of proud of. It's like check that out, my freaking my grandpa caught sawfish. What what about those old people that like you know got the old skin mount of the fish they caught a lot of sailfish a lot of barracudas a few snooks around you see you know and then the things up on the wall you know first it was on the granddaddy's wall then it was on your daddy's wall now you got it like up in your living room and you walk into somebody's house you look at it it doesn't really look that good like is it rude to like bring that up like yeah. you might you might want to refresh you know the, the mound over there like if it means that much to you you bring it down to you know whatever graze or one of those fancy like taxidermist, taxidermist yeah. be like can you redo it or something you know i mean you know i get it you know but here's my thing i just feel like if that's the original you know what i mean and it's like and it came from either your granddaddy or your great granddaddy you know it's like it's kind of cool to be like that's original like that's vintage you know what i mean yeah but like it's like like doesn't have paint on it anymore. There's holes in it and stuff. Cobwebs. It doesn't really look that good. Well, if it's got cobwebs, then you need to clean that sucker off. Do but they all got cobwebs because you put them up high someplace where you a know, cleaning lady can't get not it. Not going to bother anything. But like, all right, say you're over your girlfriend's house. 
right? And she brings you over, and you're chilling in the living room at her parents' house. You know, they want to meet the parents and do the right thing and everything. And he's got, like, this old redfish up there, skin mount, that was passed on to him for, like, three generations. So you're just going to look at the fish and, like, not even say nothing to the guy about maybe replacing the thing or something, or well, not on the fir- not the first time meeting him. Okay. The fir- now the first time meeting him, what I would probably say is something along the lines of you know, oh you know it's redfish right there. You know is uh, who who caught that? They probably tell you know oh you know it was my granddaddy or something like get that. Get the fish and story first. You get you get the story because behind every skin mount there is a story. All right, so the so the polite thing to do is to get the story. I yep. just want to, because, you know, I see, this, this is like pertinent information because a lot of us, we get put in that situation where you're sitting around, you're looking at some old skin mount fish that should be redone. And you're like, it's like an inner conflict. You're like, do I say it or do I not say it? Right. It's like, puts you in a weird spot. It does. So first thing you want to do on the first visit, you want to get the fish story. Correct. And then after that, how does it work? <laughs> So after that, so you got to kind of feel it because every person different. You really got to kind of feel the situation out. You got to see, does this guy have a sense of humor? How close was he with his granddaddy? And then you got to think of the right words to say it and just say like, you could say like, hey, like, you know, was it always that shade or has it kind of faded over the years? <laughs> so you like you start easing it in. You kind of, yeah, you got to kind of, it's dependent on how he rea- how he respond to that. <laughs> If he goes, oh, no, you know what, things worn over the years. And if you're lucky, maybe he'll say something along the lines of, yeah, you know, I've been thinking of maybe, you know, kind of touching the paint up on it a little bit. And, and then you little... jump on and be like, oh, And then you jump idea. on like, dude, I know, I know a guy. I know a guy that can hook you up. Let me hook a brother up. So, press, all right, so as long as you're not doing it on your first visit, and then you get the whole story, and then you warm up to the dude, and then... You kind of make it like it's his idea. Yes, because that's the thing with people is people always want to feel like the, the, it was their idea. They they like that kind of gratification. You know what I mean? Right. As opposed to me just outright saying like, man, like, like dude, I you got to do something. You got to do something about this, man. This is like shameful right now. <laughs> like your granddaddy probably turning in his grave right now, seeing that that freaking skin mount is faded like that. Yeah, but what if he's pissed that you redid it? Like, how do you really know? So what you're saying is, so let's say he thinks a great idea, and he does it. And then he, he gets it back, and he don't like it, what you're saying, right? Like, how do you react no, to that? Like, no, I'm talking about the spirit of the guy that caught it, the guy that's no longer around. So you keep that around the house because of him. Yeah. And you think about him, and so on and so forth. Now... I know we're getting deep here, but that's, not, but that's that's what that's what sets us apart. We we're not afraid to get deep. So you got to just like go with what you just got to go with your feeling. You got to go with your feeling. Like either leave the old one up and no offend the, and let it just keep fading, fading, fading until you can't even tell what it is anymore. Or you find you a good freaking taxidermist. I got the answer. You keep the skin mount and you get the replica. I was going to say that next. You get one. Right. That would be the most politically correct way to do it without yep. triggering anybody. Yep. Because that that's our key word now, trigger. Right. We don't want to trigger nobody. We don't want to trigger to trigger your girl's uh, father, especially when you first meet him. 
Because he'll be pulling that trigger on you. <laughs> so this what? is like a... I just finished uh, a five-day stretch. Tarpon fishing. And um, I, we, caught, we, we caught a lot of fish. i seen that, too. There's some good fish, too. Yeah, we caught a lot of fish. But, dude, I had to work for it the last five days. You see, now I'm glad that you brought that up. Because that goes back to the whole putting in water time. You want to catch big fish, you got to freaking put in your time. Well, yeah, you got to put in your time. But, you know, you, I, dude, I was working it. I mean, I was like, there's, cert- there's certain trips you get where, there's certain trips you get where, you know, like the dream trip is where you get one somewhat skilled angler that can listen and to follow directions. And uh, it's kind of easy to talk to. And he shows up by himself about five minutes early with the correct clothes on, with the correct mindset, and so on and so forth. This week, it wasn't like that. Right, I had, I had three really? trips. Right, I had three trips in a row. Now, I'm not complaining, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I'm just telling you that some trips are more work than others. So I had three days in a row with my guys in from Naples in North Carolina and I think the youngest dude was like 70 the youngest the youngest holy crap yeah and um which isn't a big deal except you know people that are over 70 they can't hear as well so they're missing half the stuff you're saying well you're telling them to keep the rod up and he probably can't hear you yeah a lot of times they don't hear you you know the reaction times aren't really you know huge or whatever and um and there's three of them. It's not like there's one of them. Shoot. So, you know, you're just like, you know, you're working for a little bit more. And then then I had a, the next two days was with a father and uh, three sons. Like 10, 12, and 14. Like okay. all across the board. Okay. So, again, you know, it's like, you know, a lot of people. And those trips were just a little different. Like you really had to work, you, know, you had to work at it. Now what was now what was different about the working you had to do with those trips as opposed to the other dudes? I'm just saying, some trips you had to work two, three times as hard, you know, to get any type of results as other trips, and you, know, you had to kind of like take them as they come. So anyway, when I finished these five days, I was like really into like not fishing for a day. Yeah. Kind of recoup, re-energize, have a few cigars. Yeah. Mess around in the garden a little bit. And then kind of rejuvenate myself to get on like another five day stretch again. I'm sorry, I got to tell you, the garden's looking good. The garden's looking good. I haven't done hardly anything, but those couple of basil plants is looking okay. good. Now, when are you going to do the arugula again? I totally blew it this year. Oh, Drew was asking for that too. Everybody was asking for the famous arugula. But the, uh, I didn't even hardly do the garden this year. I did, you know, just my herbs a little bit out there. The uh, carambola tree did really well this year. That was a bonus. Nice. But I was so busy last year. Usually I start the garden in, like, September. And then we get our first harvest. All that good arugula I was giving you guys last year and stuff. The first harvest comes out, like, the end of November, beginning of December. And then you can just harvest it right through all the way to May. And uh, I just didn't put in the time and energy this year. See, I never knew you were that big into gardening. 
Well, I'm not, I'm not that big into gardening, but it's kind of nice to have it on the side of the house. So you could say you've got like a semi-green thumb. No, I got a green thumb. <laughs> it was, it's inherited. If you're Italian, you have a green thumb. My grandpa, going back to my grandpa, when he had, they live in the condos now, but when he had the house, you should have seen the garden in his backyard. The tomatoes, the basil, the arugula. I mean, this dude had freaking everything back there. You could do your, your grocery shopping in his backyard, practically. You know, my, my mother's side are farmers from South Georgia. If you told them that the Italians were the farmers, they'd probably be somewhat shoot offended. You. Yeah. Yeah, they might shoot you. Yeah. That might trigger them. <laughs> right. It could be, it could, you could trigger somebody by doing that. But anyway, no, I didn't do the garden this year, but... Uh, I don't know. We'll, 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 I'm going to pick that up. I got my famous fertilizer that I use in the garden. Everybody swears by it. They love the arugula. And then I used to like doing the arugula salad during the fish fries. Yeah. The salad. Man. Let me tell you. Did I ever tell you my, my, my arugula salad recipe? No. Dude, so you guys get fresh arugula. You get fresh basil. You put shaved Parmesan cheese. Freshly shaved Parmesan. Salt. It's got to be sea salt and pepper. Oil and vinegar. One of the best salads you'll ever have. And it's good for you. And it's simple. And it's simple. You know, I just did a, I just did a podcast with uh, the chef, Chef Joe Forrest. I missed him. I seen him come around the corner on his motorcycle on the way here. Right. I just did a podcast with him. And we got in deep about some cooking stuff and some, uh, you know, how the... Uh, Prepare the fish, how to cut the fish, how to, what you're actually buying at the market, and all that. You would enjoyed that. I think I would that episode, but we're gonna we'll put that up um, along with this episode probably in a week or two. But um, I still want to try, and it's funny every time you bring up the chef, I still think about the time you told me that he made you buffalo chicken sandwich with blue cheese. Is one of my absolute all-time favorite meals. And yeah. when you said he made that for you fresh. I, I want to meet him and see if maybe, like, I can make, like, a deal with him. Maybe help him out with something, and maybe he'll make me that sandwich. You want to get on the good side of the chef? I want to get on the good side of the chef. That's, that's a tall order. I know, man. You know, it's like, you know how many people want to get on the good side of the chef? There's two, two people everybody wants to get on the good side of, the chef and the plumber. And let me tell you, it's a dead end both ways. Because you ain't getting no chef to cook when he's not working, and you ain't getting no plumber to do no plumber when, when he's, he's not, not working. working. Right. If they're not working, then you're damn sure they're not doing no plumbing for you. So you can get that right out of your mind. But maybe I'll invite him to one of the fish fries and cook for the chef, and then you can mix and mingle with him, and then you might be able to learn something. That's a good point. Right? See, for me, there was, after me, I think there's two people that you wanted that I wanted to get on the good side of. One is the chef, still have yet to meet him, we'll get there, and the other one was Nicole. And I think I got on Nicole's good side. Well, at least she has you thinking that you're on her good side. That's true. <laughs> you gotta watch out for Nicole, you know, she's not, I know. It's not the first time around the block for her. I know, dude. <laughs> did you get a chance to listen to the podcast that the worm did? I didn't. She did. How'd she do? She did phenomenal. Really? Yeah. Did she have fruit rolls while she did it? I think she had fruit loaves before she did it, but I got her in here. We started talking about her uh, Playlist Live event with all the YouTubers and everything. 
Oh, yeah, that's right. Up in Orlando. And she couldn't get the information out fast enough. Like, it was... It was I was totally floored. She, she, was probably telling, she was probably telling you stuff that you didn't even know. Oh, I had no clue. I had no clue about Playlist Live and what it was all about. So what is it you say? Like, when, you, when you think you know something. Right. Right? That's when you know, <laughs> that's you, don't when you, know, know you don't know something. Right. <laughs> Just like fishing and every, everything else in life. That's the real guy philosophy. If you think you know something... That means you probably don't know nothing. Yep. <laughs> anyway, that's uh, Stephen Busaka, Lamont Jones, Captain Jeff. Uh, thanks for tuning in this week's podcast. We're super happy to have you. And this is where real guys talk about real things and uh, have a good time. Busaka, thanks for coming in this week. Thanks for having me in, brother. Run Take that, care, guys. Run that dog. Run that dog. <laughs>